0: So um, I'm gonna just, I just wanted to say something before Ernie comes up and share. You know, a couple of years ago, I don't even remember this, Ernie. Uh, we met on Instagram. Did you slide in I actually don't even know. I, maybe I missed you. I'm not sure. But I had, I had a dream, you know, um, to build a studio. And Ernie was the first person to say, Tim, I love your vision. I'm in. And he flew from Joburg to Cape Town, and we did a similar thing like last night. We did a concert. But I tell you, I got to know this guy, and one of the things that and you'll share this morning, but one of the things that I really appreciate about Ernie is how he's allowed the Lord to keep working in him. And um, maybe you're here this morning, and you might be here for Ernie. I don't know. I hope you're here for Jesus. but (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? If you're going through stuff, I tell you, Open your heart up this morning. Allow the Lord to speak to you. Because sometimes we see what we want to see. But when you dig deeper, you, you find out the story behind. And then you see how God works in lives. So I'm not going to give it away, but Ernie, we bless you. Let's uh, welcome you. Ernie Smith this morning.
1: Thank you, Pastor Timmer. Bless, you. bless, you. bless you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. How are you doing today? I came here and I was like very concerned. I was like in the car, I'm saying to Marlon, I said, I forgot my jacket. And then I came, I saw everybody in shorts. I was like, wow, I'm overdressed. Maybe I need to, I feel like taking off my shoes, you know, just making myself at home. And by the door, I met Pete, who received me so amazingly. And it's so amazing to see people of that age that are still standing for God. And we have something to look forward to. You know, when we see such joy with age, it is so incredibly encouraging for us. All right, I actually don't remember how we met in the car last night. I was thinking, how did I come to know Pastor Tim? He said I mustn't call him Pastor, but we know it's more than a title. But I think you are acting as a pastor. And there are many people that want the title without actually doing the work. And Tim is one of those that even if he wasn't a pastor, you will say his heart is the heart of a pastor. So I think it's fitting that I call him Pastor Tim. Amen. (laughs) Yes, um, I was thinking at home, I was thinking, what am I going to share on? Because most times, most people know me as a singer, artist, whatever, producer, all of those things. And I'm like, God, what do I say to your people? And there was nothing. So I know when God is speaking like, you know, Lord, why are you silent? And then the, the idea, and I want to say this is how God speaks to us. Sometimes it's, like a, it's just like an idea. You think it's just you. There's no voice that, Ernie, thus saith your God, thou shalt know. It's just like I'm thinking it's me. And I'm like, okay, God is like, share, share your testimony. And I'm like, no, Lord, there's so much revelation I can share from the word. And then Pastor Tim calls. And he's like, Ernie, you know, I just think you should share your testimony. And I'm like, okay, so it was you. You know, and, it, and the word of God says that, you know, God says, my, my sheep know my voice. That's why I don't do books on how to hear the voice of the Lord. Jesus never said that I'll teach you how to know. He just said, you'll know. It's like my child, if I just say her name, can be a noisy place. She can be busy talking with her teenage friends, busy, whatever, checking out guys, and I'll just say, "Israela." Softly, she'll immediately like, that's my dad. You know, it's like a baby in the womb starts to know the father's voice, that when the child comes out, you just know when God is speaking to you. The only difference is that sometimes God speaks to us in ways that we don't understand. Sometimes God will speak to you, to you through a bull It's like I'm waiting on God for something, and I hear God's voice. There's times God will tell me something about someone, I'll say it, and they'll burst into tears like that's exactly it. That's a prophetic voice. That's, that's something else. But sometimes I'm waiting for some word from God and a billboard will come on and just say, just do it by Nike. And I'm like, I hear you. (laughs) You know, it was something that I needed to do and God will use whatever way. But we will know his voice. So I pray that we hear the voice of God today. Don't hear my good-looking self. I know I'm incredibly (laughs) good-looking. In Jesus' name, I'm (laughs) good-looking. Can we just pray for a minute? Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that uh, you've sent your son to save us. you sent your son to redeem us. We thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us today. We pray that you will release your presence, Father, to touch, heal, to deliver, to set free, to encourage, to lift up. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will help me to glorify Jesus today. Help us to see you, Father, in the name of Jesus. You know where we're at individually. You know what it is we need. And I pray in the name of Jesus that nothing will hinder that word from reaching our hearts in Jesus' name. So as I'm sitting here, the Lord gave me a song, and I'm just saying, I'm not going to sing today. I sang plenty last night. But it's just a simple song that I want you to sing with me. Some of you singing in confession, in rejoicing. Some of you sing it by faith because of where you're at. It just goes,
2: look what the Lord has done. If you know it, sing along. Look what the Lord has done. What we praying for has come to pass. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, say it from your heart. Oh, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah look what the lord has done what we praying? what we pray it for will come to pass look what the lord has done
1: just whispered it one last time
2: look what the lord has thank you holy spirit Look what the Lord has done. What we prayed for has come to pass. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Can you feel that?
1: Hey? It's just you think it's the fan, it's the acorn. There's no aircon. It's just, it's just the presence of the Lord. Amen um i was serving the lord from the age of 13. i got saved in a cottage meeting we call it now they call it home sales and i think i don't even know if they still do home sales anymore but that's how i got saved and i got saved in in fear because the preacher was preaching about hell (laughs) and i was like my mama didn't raise no fool you know (laughs) and at the time it doesn't matter how you came to know god you grow to love him you go to realize that he's such a beautiful father That is your closest friend that is so kind and he's so sweet to us regardless in spite of who we are and and what we do so i got saved in a cottage meeting pastor some you know and the preacher was preaching that if you don't know jesus you're gonna burn in hell fire and i was like wow you know but somewhere somehow in my heart i felt that conviction and i didn't understand what it was at that age i just felt like i needed to Give my heart to God. So I want to tell you, even the youth, that you are never too young to come to know the Lord. And God has, the Bible says, preordained and predestined that, Marlon, you would occupy a certain space. It's a done deal. we got to walk the road. We make the mistakes. But God really starts at the end, and then he comes to the beginning. And what he starts, the Bible says, now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to make us stand in his presence did you hear that what it says blameless and with great joy how am i ever going to be blameless when i make so many mistakes daily you know daily i make so many mistakes so god must have been talking about something else other than me being perfect and being holier than thou you know it had to have been something else so i received the lord and i went to church and for the first time like here you actually see people playing live instruments I'm like, all the time I heard the radio, a little small box. Now I'm like, hey, that guy is actually playing drums. And that's what drew me more to church. So I was sharing last night. How many were there last night at the concert? All right, a few of you. So for all of those that were backslid last night, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. All right. And um, my mother, I came home from, from, from church one day, and she had recorded, you know, the old cassette decks kind of thing. There was no even CDs those days. It was a cassette, and she had recorded a song by a guy from Cape Town, Jonathan Butler. And um, I was telling them last night, I was standing, making like I'm playing an air guitar, because I couldn't play at the time. And while I'm playing, and I had no understanding, people never explained to me about how God moves and how it feels when he's moving and what you, what you know or what you experience. And I'm making like I'm playing the song. And I'm closing my eyes like I'm playing. And suddenly I felt, like from my head down, there's like this feeling of electricity and a, and a warmth that made me scared. And I stopped, I put the radio off, and I kind of ran away like, whoa, whoa, what was that? Later on, I understood that that was God anointing me for his purpose. Since then, Tim knows the story we've had. I'm just giving you a bit of a, so you know who this guy is. And um, I recorded uh, for my first album. And I was recording from one cassette to the next cassette. We didn't have recorders those days, so when that double cassette deck came out, like you could copy the cassette, I was like, "That's my studio." So <laughs> I took the one cassette this side I'm recording guitar, then I take it, I put that side, so the, that while I record is playing back onto the new part. I'm adding my own bass. I promise you, by the time I added the voices and lead guitar, it, well, there was a lot of singing on the noise. Not noise on the singing, it was singing on the noise. It was just, pss, you could hear me in the background. I was like, yeah, can you hear? You know, and I, I, I started um, writing songs. And um, I eventually recorded, I'll forward wine because it's a long story. And it was a song that I was saying last night. I didn't even want to put on my album. It was the first time I was a young kid from church that, they were, that I was like, okay, I want to record. Because that's what God showed me. When I was 14, I had like an open vision. I was standing on a huge stage and there were people and I was playing, and up till now I haven't seen that day, so... um, (laughs) I will say, after you see that day, you're gone! (laughs) No? (laughs) Yeah, so eventually, in the studio, my friend says to me, don't you have another song? I was like, no, I got nothing. I said, "It's a small idea that I had, I didn't even include it in what I thought would be great. So, I recorded the idea, and... As the metronome's counting in, it's time to play on the spot. I'm just playing whatever comes into my head. And that song goes number one in South Africa, makes South African history, was number one on 16 radio stations for three months and takes me all over the world to perform wherever. Something that I had very little to do that I thought was just whatever. What am I saying is that God sometimes appears in little things and that God is always telling you, open that Sunday school, open that Sunday school. You're like, ah, it's just me. But to get to, get to the point is that from then I have so much success. with traveling Malaysia, America, all over Africa, you know, playing music. And after 17 years of having a happy marriage, God blessed me with three beautiful daughters. Everyone knows that the last born was our last try to get a boy. <laughs> So after that was enough, I realized I'm a ladies' man, just three ladies in my life, and that's it. So I was telling Pastor Shimon, it's not easy to always share a testimony, but when, when God says share it, I believe there's a reason. So after 17 years of great marriage and wonderful, every time people came in our home, they said, there's such a warmth in your house. You and your wife are so amazing, and wow, such a love, and and for the life of me, for 17 years, I thought I had a perfect marriage. And then COVID came, and, and it seemed like the whole world turned upside down. You know, it seemed like suddenly we had lost our sense of what life as we know it was. And I'm not sharing with you something. You're like, yeah, I know. Because everybody, it wasn't like something, you know, guys, I went through a bad time. We're like, we all went through a bad time. That's what COVID done. And one of the things that COVID done to us is that, I, I was saying last night, it took us away from one another. And we came so close to losing this, to losing me and you, being in the same space, sharing in what God is doing. We, we couldn't even see some of our parents, some of our um, brothers and sisters, and it isolated us. But what it did also, and this is the truth about not statistics but facts is that they said there was such South Africa at the beginning of February last year was officially my sister works with uh, all of this was officially had the highest divorce rate in the world I was like no way! she said no in the world South Africa the divorce rate and they work in an abuse center where they said they saw such a shift of women coming that are abused by their husbands also to husbands that were coming abused by their wives. I was like, no way. I said, yeah, so many marriages just spun completely out of control. And um, I'm telling you that some of the details today, because I've shared it on TV, I've shared it wherever, and I don't think God wants us to dress up things. When they happen, I'm going to tell you exactly how it happened. Okay, not all the details. I'm like, I would like, it came and I punched him. No, none of that. You know, and I were, we were going out to the mall with my family, and um, I was getting my wife's phone, you know, And um, on a phone I saw a really, really rude, crazy message from another man. And that that hit me like, shook me to my core. And I asked her and she said, no, it's just a friend and it was a joke and etc. I'm not going to leave, I won't give you the gory details. But long story short, I had lost my marriage after 17 years of what I thought was a great marriage, you know, a happy home. And it really, as a child of God, that I was serving God for 13, since the age of 13, all I had known was God. All I had known is um, living and walking in the way that God wanted us to walk. But for the first time, I was, I was experiencing something where I normally prayed for other people, counseled other people. And the shocking thing was, it's happening to me. I was like, I didn't know how to digest it. I didn't know how to understand it. And I went into a tailspin. I was like, God, I mean, the disappointment and the anger with me was also towards God. Like, and, and oftentimes we're like, how could you let this happen to me? And then we start telling God like, what he owes us. You know, like, I've served you when others didn't serve you. <laughs> you know, it's like when they were partying in the world, I was serving in the church. And these are questions, like the prodigal son's brother, that come up naturally if we're honest, in our minds. You know, we might not say it audibly, but it's like, God, I've served you throughout my life. How could this happen to me? So I'm not going to tell you this like a story. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to interrupt it at a few places where God showed me and said, the word of of God simply says this, and Lazarus, Jesus' friend, got sick and died. So you can be a friend of God today. And stuff still happens to you. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross. He endured the pain, the suffering for what was ahead. Amen. He said, I overcame the world. So rejoice. But in this life there will be trouble. So in other words, it's not out of place for you to go through stuff when you're serving God. In fact, we look at the book of Job where the devil goes to God, and by the way, just so you know, theologians, the devil doesn't stand before God anymore. That was Old Covenant. Not Old Testament, Old Covenant. Where he went before God, and he said, and God said to him, have you considered my servant Job? God was bragging. So if I tell you, have you considered my diesel techies? I'm taking off the God. No. <laughs> you know, and the... And, um, and, and the amazing thing is what the devil answered that shows us how much God protects us. And, Job, and, the Lord, and, and Satan said to the Lord, he said, yeah, but look at the hedge of fire you got around him. In other words, I can't touch him. In other words, I've tried to touch this man so many times and in lieu of the hedge of fire, I can't get to him. For you that think every day you got a spiritual warfare and fight the devil, like cast up, bind you up, break you up, pull you up. Hey, I'll give you a dump. You don't have to. Let me tell you, you don't have to. That's very tiring. Jesus came and said, it is finished. He said, I be." A-. Jesus, you know in the word of God, the Lord barely spoke about Satan. You know that in the New Testament, he just said, I be out Satan fall like lightning. The devil is not your problem. In fact, if a, a dangerous enemy, you don't say to the enemy, get behind me. That's the best position he can get to kill. He's like, thank you very much. But Jesus said, get behind me. You have no power over me. And, the, and, and, and you cannot touch anything. And God was, God was moving him out of his view, out of his focus. So God is saying to get those things out of your focus and see Christ, him glorified, him crucified. And all these other things will be added unto you. So let me get back to my story. I'm a wandering preacher. You know, and so I went through this, this whole thing and I found myself being unable to sleep going through depression. I found myself having anxiety attacks. And all of it was disbelief. I could not believe what is going on to me. I saw a psychologist. What's the other one? Psych- psychiatrist. You know, I started taking, they prescribed sleeping meds, anti-anxiety meds. And of course now take in this one sleeping tablet and I can't sleep. I'm waking up. I'm like, I'm still up. It's 2 o'clock. And I'm panicking, so I take another sleeping tablet. And then I sleep for three hours and I'm up again. And I sleep again. And then I wake up. I'm like, what am I going to do? I take more sleeping tablets. And not realizing that I'm getting myself into an addiction cycle so bad that I couldn't do without it. So it got to a point where I had friends now because every time I walk into game, the guy knows I'm coming back. And so I finished my prescription that's supposed to last me a month in a week. So I go to another pharmacy a no names for pharmacy. Or Um Harry's pharmacy. You know, I know he's not in the national system to say, hey, you took from game." I go to Um Harry and I'm like, you know, it's COVID. So these places are not being frequented. They they are not so busy because people are not walking around as freely as they do, so I'm like yes, and I said yeah. Is there any probability you could give me another one? And he's like, oh well, here you go, yes, too. So I was hopping around, finishing a box of sleeping tablets in a week, and of course, sleeping tablets either goes with alcohol, their like cousins, or drugs. So my choice was alcohol. And I wasn't wasting my time with beers, because beers take too long. I was like, I just want to get there. I hated alcohol and I wasn't a drinker. Whenever, even when we'd done shows, my band would have a drink or two. I never drank. I just didn't want it. It was just not for me. But now, I'm at the point where I'm pouring a glass of Smirnoff with no dash. And I'm drinking it just because I wanted to take effect and lay me down to sleep. And I'm getting up every morning at 3 o'clock. And it's terrifying because I'm hearing a voice like saying, Yep, you're up. It's almost like you hear the devil saying, Yeah, I got you, you're up again. And every time I wake up, I look at my watch, it's 3 o'clock. I'm like, what is this about 3 o'clock? What is this that I cannot shake, but it seems to have an effect on me? The friend of God. The one who stood up and sang all over the world, led people to the Lord, casted out demons, gave amazing prophetic words. Is this really happening to me? So now I'm starting to look at me. Okay, there must have been something that i done that I'm doing. And all of the stuff comes back. It all comes. You see that time when you've done this? That's why this. See that time when you've never done this? You should have forgiven that person. And I'm dealing in condemnation. And let me tell you. You can write this down. There is nothing that kills someone like condemnation. You see, because you you if somebody is condemning me or is talking bad about me, I just will stop hanging around past Tim, and that's fine. I don't have to hear it. But if I'm condemning myself, the problem with that is that I take me with me wherever I go. So I'm fighting to get some peace, but I know all the scriptures. I'm supposed to have peace. As soon as Jesus comes into your life, that's the first thing that happens. It's peace. Yeah, people say, oh, I had a good night's sleep, rest. And you laugh because I still owe, they, they come in to take my car, but I'm, I'm sleeping, I can't explain it. It's the peace that passes. All understanding had disappeared from my life because I stopped seeing myself as someone who deserved the love of God because all of my mistakes came back. And now I'm making new mistakes. There was a time when I was younger and was very successful in the music industry where we would sleep around with women. And knowing that you were Christian, it was almost like, ah, I've already done it. I might as well just go all the way. If only I knew what I know, what I know now, is that no perfect people allowed. Is that God doesn't allow anyone who's perfect to be saved, because they can't. It was, in fact, my weaknesses that was my strength. Well, like What are you talking about, preacher? I will come back to the story. We find that in the Word of Trust me, for you, that thing in this man is talking from his head. You can write all this down and go and check the scriptures. I am preaching from the Bible. All right? And uh, we find a guy by the name of Gideon in in, in the Bible in Israel. And Gideon is a bang brook. He's like, yeah, he's the dog box. He's like, they got me. You know, the Russians are coming. (laughs) And Gideon is so afraid, the Bible says, because the Philistines were raiding Their, their fields, their, their, their food, their livestock, all of that. So we find Gideon doing a wine press in an olive, um, in an olive press. So he doesn't want them to come and rob him. So he Soma, goes and wash clothes in a restaurant kind of thing. He's busy trampling grapes in, a, in, a, in an olive press. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon is like, what are you talking about? So Gideon gives all his explanations powerfully. He says, in Israel, my tribe is the lowest in Israel. And he says, in my, in my tribe, my family is the lowest. And he says, in my family, I am the black sheep. So in essence, he was saying, I'm the worst possible choice in the whole of Israel. You know what God says? God answers him and says this. It's like he didn't even hear him. God said to him, like, great, I'm paraphrasing, go in the strength of yours and go overtake them. What strength? He just told you that his tribe was the lowest, his family was the lowest, and he's the lowest in the whole nation. And God is saying, great, go in the strength. What strength was that? That you can do nothing without me. You got the revelation. You're nothing without me. And the less of you, the more of me. So anyway, you see, I, can you see what I'm doing? I'm going in my story. I'm coming out. I'm coming back. Well, I learned that. <laughs> so long story short, I start freaking out even, even more. My family are concerned. They come up from Durban. My ex-wife takes the kids and she's gone. I'm in the house by myself walking around all day like a crazy man. I can't even drink water because it's burning me. Water's burning me going down my throat because it was absolutely raw. So I got to the point, Pastor Tim, where, and thankfully it was like a a three week period where I really crashed. The incident had started earlier. But it got to a point where I was drinking a bottle of Smirnoff hot stuff, as we call it, spirits a day. And I was taking so many sleeping tablets about, now up to about almost 14 a day to sleep. You see, that's the problem is that when you start to depend on something, that dependency starts to hijack your life, starts to hijack your mind, literally. And all you want, I just want, all I wanted to do was sleep. In the middle of the day, I was like, I look at the time, okay, it's probably 11 o'clock in the day. I want to sleep now. I'm taking four tablets and drinking and, and trying to sleep. I sleep and I wake up at six o'clock because I had no peace. Because my peace was completely interrupted. So, my sister comes up from from Durban. My niece also came and lived with us. And then my my big sister, my last sister, with her husband comes. And while they're there, they're witnessing this firsthand and they can't believe it because they know me all my life. I was sharing the word all my life. I was the guy that lived for God. And they're like, she's crying. It's like, oh my God, is this Ernie. You know, like, what happened? Kind of story, and um, they were both hurt, broken by what had happened, and more so, I think, even seeing me in in that condition. So my sister and my brother-in-law are sleeping at our house, and I'm walking, I'm pacing the floor, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, because now I can't take my sleeping tablets because they're there. So I'm like, I'm gonna beat this thing, I'm gonna beat this thing, I'm gonna sleep tonight, I'm gonna sleep, and nothing, no peace, nothing, 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 not, not a wink of sleep, and got to the point where I'm trying to talk. And I can't even speak. And now I'm freaking out worse. I'm like, what is going on? I can't even, I'm I'm like, Whoo It's almost like you're outside of yourself, saying, yo, look what's happening to this guy. You know, and a friend of mine came to my house and said to me, and he's a businessman, a very successful guy, and a very stern guy. He was in the army, the military. And And the guy's crying, talking to me and saying, Ania, you have to get help or else you're going to die. Because my kids now come and see me the one day. And I wake up in the morning and I've got big scars on my back and there's glasses on the floor. And there's traces of blood and stuff is broken and I can't remember what happened. So now if I was, if I was afraid, this is like, like I jumped out of my body afraid. It's like, wow, that happened. And I'm thinking my kids could have got hurt. I know that in my subconscious and in the core of me, I would rather die than hurt my kids. But I'm like, I can't account for what happened around me here. Yeah? So then they're like, we going? going, all of my furniture. I told my ex-wife, take what you want. I sold a car, everything. I said, take it. And I go to Durban. Don't let me talk like a hero, like, yeah, you went together. I went to Durban kicking and screaming. My sister them said to me, you're coming. I was like, no, I can beat. They said, you can beat nothing. You're coming. So I had to make the call. And so because I was a so-called celebrity, two of my friends booked a really, really great rehab center. Is it okay if I'm I'm cold and real for you guys? So I go to the rehab, and in there I'm thinking, now they're going to tie us down on a bed, and they're going to sleep. But before that, before I forget, I go to a hospital with my sister because when she was there, I had forgotten my pin number. I had money, but I'm changing the pin all the time because I'm thinking, you know, all those thoughts now. They're going to come in the middle of the night and, and steal my money. And it wasn't even rational. It was just the state that I was in. So I changed my pin so much that I forget, you know, was it 298 or 892, you know, and it's, it it, 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 no, that's not the pin. Yeah. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> yeah. So I normally go to Life Hospital above the road, that's where I take my kids and all of that, but now I have to go to, it's like Joburg Gin. I'm talking about this place, and maybe God allowed me to see what other people go through. It was literally, I don't mean to... To be rude, but it was like an abattoir. There's blood on the floor. There's some people chained to a bed, someone screaming there. One guy is they're busy trying to the one guy, and it's almost like, ah, oh, that guy died, and there's next. It's like a room, and there's probably like 40 some odd people just there looking at one another during COVID with your mask and you're on a drip. Everyone around you is on a drip. And the doctors are you wait there, and you know I'm because it's like a trauma center, but they're assessing people, they don't know now who is snapped mentally because of COVID or whether this is, his sugar went too high or his blood pressure, whatever. So they test everybody kind of thing. And the one guy standing there talking to a doctor and I'm seeing this Jewish guy walk behind him and I'm watching this because I'm like, I'm still quite lucid. I'm like, no way. And the guy walks away and gives him an injection and walks away. And this guy looks like, (laughs) like what stung me. And I was like, wow, is this where I'm at? And a few minutes later, they're carrying this guy into a bed. And it's like, God, how far Have I come that I'm in this place where there's crazy people around me? And for the life of me, it's yours. even in that state, it's like my spiritual perception was still there. And a guy walks through the door, and instantly I'm like, that guy's demon-possessed. Not that probably a lot of people there weren't. Many of them were oppressed, many of them were possessed. But this guy caught my attention, and his whole face is twitching. And the guy walks past the to me, passes everyone everything, comes and sits next to me and says, hello. I looked at God, I'm not coming, come on, really. Why you don't just take me home? You know, and so this guy gets to talk and tells me unwarranted, unprovoked stuff that he's been diagnosed with bipolar for 27 years. And then he snaps past it to and says, you see that guy over there? Look at him, he's a sangoma. Look at the demons around him. And he starts swearing this guy, and I'm like, this guy's switching in and out of different personalities or characters. He's still, there's another lady screaming, that side. he swears, that tells her to shut up. So I'm sitting there literally the entire day, they sing people one by one. You try to go there, you tell, them, look here, yeah, I'm fine, I'm not like these people. Can you do my bloods and let me get out of here? So eventually they realized that I was fine, and they actually moved me away from the people. So I was like, no, this one yeah, is really just sick kind of thing. So... They didn't see me the whole day. They had no chance because there was too many people. And if an emergency comes in, then they attend to that. And there was only a limited number of doctors. <laughs> so now, in the night, I'm there now, it's evening. Remember, there's a public hospital. And the same guy, the bipolar guy, says, here's a bed for you. <laughs> like, sleep next to me. Of course, I didn't sleep a wink, naturally, because I couldn't sleep. I was up watching him just the whole <laughs> night, just like, you make that move, boy. <laughs> I love Jesus, but I'm gonna show you something, you know. <laughs> and so it's about almost four or five in the morning, the new stuff comes. I'm like, have you all got my test results? They say, yes, you're free to go. I said, thank you, and I'm out. So I'm going back and forth in my story, but you understand, you'll understand why I'm doing that. After rehab, I'll get to rehab. After rehab, I come out, I'm showering at my sister's house now. I come from a beautiful luxury place staying in Santon, and now I'm back in Wentworth, where I was born, which is it's like a township. And I'm in a molded kind of room for three months where I used to order what I wanted, you know, pizza, I, this, and now I'm eating what my sister and my eating every day, and I, which I'm grateful for, but I was having curry and rice today. The next day I'm having rice and curry. And the next day, it was, very, the next day it was curry and rice, and then rice and curry the following day. So all of these things were like, wow. But the gratitude of just being accepted and loved as I was was beginning to overwhelm me out of my so-called state of pride that I didn't even think I had. And so now I'm in the shower at home with my sister name, and my phone gets a message after that, and the guy, it's okay for me to share, and the message comes on there and says, uh, we recognize you. That's the same bipolar guy. We recognized you. I thought maybe, okay, Ernie Smith. said, you are not one of us. It, and it's got Lucifer, L U C was the first to recognize you. And I'm shaken. I'm like, wow, well, I put the phone down, I block him. Same time. I'm like and later on it comes back to me. The God said, Do you understand what that was all about? That there's a mark on you as a Christian. There's the hedge that Satan city saw over Job that is with you always. And the scripture comes to mind where David says, if I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I go out into the sea, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, even there, you are with me. Now, I don't know what you've learned, but according to my Bible, God is not schizophrenic. I have a fight with Pastor Tim. I'm saved. Oh, you're no more saved. Until you confess your sin. I confess my sin. Forgive me. Here, I help me. Then I fight again. I'm no more saved. Then I confess my sins. I'm saved again. Something's wrong with that gospel. Something's wrong with that gospel. Jesus said, and you know the Bible app you open? You get the Bible app. They've asked me to share message, and everyone gets to see it. How many people? I don't know. And I've done another two for them day before yesterday. So you open the Bible up, you'll probably see it. I don't know when they posted. But I was saying there that David said in Psalm 51, he said, Don't leave me. I'm paraphrasing. Don't take your spirit from me. Don't take your joy from me. Do you know what Jesus said? New covenant. We need to understand that there is a marked difference between old covenant and new covenant. The Bible says in Romans that God sought a better covenant for us. Why? Because the old one wasn't good enough. It was God. We're not talking about no, no, no. That was all God in the Old Testament. But for us, it wasn't working out. Because every time we sinned, we lost his presence. And every time we made a sacrifice for a year, God was with you. Do you understand what that is? I don't think we fully get it. That the Israelites knew, the fam- this is my family, this is Pastor Tim's family. I'll take a spotless lamb to the high priest. You will check it out. You can't bring a sheep that was squint or something like that. <laughs> it, it wasn't allowed. Your sheep had to be perfect. This old couldn't have a, he had a earring and someone took it off. That sheep had to be straight up. I'm making it light for you so you don't get too serious, you know. And if that sheep was accepted from Pastor Tim's house, Pastor Tim and his entire family knew without a doubt, for a year, we covered. So in other words, if he fought with his wife, he didn't have to go to the high priest and say, I need to make another sacrifice. No, 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 he knew, ah, oh, I'm covered for a year. How's that? But us who are saved, who've received the blood of God himself, Condemn ourselves because we had a bad thought every five minutes. We think we are less qualified. So what we're saying is the blood of sheep and goats is greater than the blood of the Lamb of God. So we have to be confessing all the time. And sometimes people think we're crazy because we're in the car. While you're having a conversation, I knew a brother that was like it. While he's talking to you, he's like, yes, brother. He's like, no, no, I'm just clearing something up. I'm like, wow. None of us might say that. But in our actions, we do that. Do you know what God is actually saying? In the old covenant, the blood covered their sins. And if you lift it up, and God told him not to, on the mercy seat, that would be an issue. The Bible says that the blood of Christ has taken away your sins completely. I don't want to get into a deeper doctrine because then you will meet with Pastor Tim after the service and tell him, no, but the Bible... I won't go there. But the one thing I want to assure you of that is in the Bible, is that you are standing here today, if you are in Christ, as righteous as Christ is. Do you get it? I mean, do you really understand it? That Jesus says in, in John 12, he says, Father, glorify them like you've glorified me. He's basically saying, Father, you, have loved, you love them as much as you love me. And you will never know how much God loves you until you understand how much God loves Jesus and that he gave him for you. And the word of God says, because God is now, because you have given us Christ, how then will you not freely give us everything else? And we're still trying to earn that new car, that new job. You know, I'll pray and I'll fast more. And yes, you should. You should. But I'm saying that's not what gets you God's favor. That's more what affects your life and you consecrate yourself. But in terms of, of, of God loving you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he said, I will never, never leave you nor forsake you. You know, in the Hebrew, the word never means may," And every time Jesus said that, when he said like truly, truly, or I will never, it's, the Bible says, it's, the Hebrew studies tell us it's a double may." So God is saying, I will never, no never, will I ever leave you. I will never no never leave you sick i will never no never let you not get all that i've purposed for your life amen that should be ground you should be screaming clapping but that's okay if you like the chinese culture you you only clap afterwards i got that. (laughs) anyway i'm not looking for a clap for me so long story short i i understand all of this and and my ex-wife signed, and I'm not telling you details of it because she's not yet to defend herself. And that's, that's not, I'm out of that. That's not what we're t- I'm talking about. And so my ex-wife says, look, she signs a document for the court saying I want nothing to do with this. It's done. We've split whatever we need. I'm not seeking any whatever kind of support. So there's stuff this stuff was the thing that God gave me 27 years ago that I wrote down. I've got a, a business plan this size. All right, because nowadays, with the new technology, it'll probably be that size about what I wanted. I said, God, I want a shop, I want this, I want to build hospitals, I want to do that. That's the plan. My friends tell me, they said, Ernie, you know, when you were saying some of these things, we thought, I honestly thought that you were crazy. And um, a friend of mine calls me while I'm going to the divorce. He's in Abu Dhabi or somewhere, and he's guarding the richest man in Asia, um, Mukesh Ambani. This guy owns petrol stations, race courses, uh, he owns Tottenham, like a really wealthy man, zoos all over the world. And he says to me, hold on. He's saved. He says, I know what you're going through. I've also been through divorce. So this is something that I went through in my family that I was the first. We'd never had divorce in our family. We didn't know how to deal with it. There was no recourse. There was no kind of, like, this is what we should do. Everyone was like, I don't know how to, how to handle this thing. So my ex-wife goes and writes on Facebook while we're still married. And this is, I found out, remember, by accident. She writes there that I'm waiting in the bathroom for you, darling, and he's and this guy writes, I'm on my way with roses and my like, God, this is blatant embarrassment for a so called public figure. My friends are calling me, even Jonathan Butler from, from the US is calling me, I mean, what's going on? I see your wife doing this. I said, Bro, I don't know. I actually don't know. I've never laid a hand on this woman, I've never and I'll tell you, this is the place where I would have said, I used to abuse my wife. No, I didn't. I'm talking about I had no idea that this was coming. That's why. It wasn't like we were going through struggles in our marriage and it got to a point. No, this came out of the blues. You understand what I'm saying? So just the shock of it was like our shock that took me into a, a kind of a, a tailspin. So I'm going through all of this. I'm trying to get my thought again. What was I saying then? Yes, yes, my friend, thank you, hallelujah. (laughs) My friend calls me and he he says, you know, hold on, this is the story. So long story short, I come out of rehab. In rehab, it was a day four or something, they gave me my guitar, and they done a medical detox. And I want to tell you, as a praying Christian, Christian, as Christians who pray and fast, sometimes there's nothing wrong with going to get professional help for what you're going through. You are not going to be less of a man. You're not going to be less of a woman. You're not going to say, I'm supposed to be a Christian. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, got sick and died. His close friend. Remember that. Ernie Smith, who was serving God from 13 years old, went into a down spiral of drug addiction, sleeping tablets, alcohol abuse, and I went to get help. Because I sensed and I knew that God was telling me to go there. And God will work, listen people, Catherine Kuhlman was saying this. He said, how do you take a small white looking tablet and say this thing will do so much to heal a person? Even the the use of medical stuff in the right way. God is behind that thing being a success. He said, there's nothing that works in life that doesn't come from, or every good and perfect gift comes from him. He causes all things to work together. He can use medication to help you. Many of us are taking blood pressure tablets or whatever. Don't say I got faith. I'm not taking my tablets today. We'll be standing and saying, "Oh well, you know, he was a good man." I'm not joking; it's serious. You know that I believe in the Lord, so I'm not going to eat. Jesus fasted for forty. You'll drop unconscious, and we'll have to give you glucose to get you up. It's don't be silly. There's faith, and then there's presumption. I don't need to look at cars passing the road. The angels protect me. Boah! All right, it's a joke, but I'm making a point. So by day four or five, they say to me, okay, now they were aware that I was a celebrity. Although they put me in a quite exclusive place so that I wasn't publicly visible, they bring my guitar. So the doctor are saying to me, play for me. And I'm like, this guy's trying to check if I'm crazy. I was playing the guitar. <laughs> so I'm playing the guitar, they're all excited. And I'm singing worship songs now, and the whole place is practically around me. Doctors, pharmacists, people that own, make clothes for truets, what major wealthy people in Rieb, crying standing around me. Some of them are saying, "Yo, oh, I need to go back to church. And my like, God, I mean, what does this mean? I came here to get myself sorted, and I'm like praying for people. I'm like, you're doing a revival through it. Man, it just, just came out of sleeping tablets yesterday. You know, but God will do what he's going to do. If you can use a donkey, he'll use our brokenness, you will use your story. You will use your addiction to set some other addicted people free. If I can tell you the story of Peter, what Peter was, and how God used him,. I mean, so right I'm there, I get discharged. I come out of that. Now I'm going around doing all talks. At different rehabs this has been over two years now the doctor says we are so happy with your recovery that they want to open other talking business we want to open another rehab can be like the Ernie Smith rehab center kind of thing and I'm like no, that's that's not my focus you can do good things but you got to do God things I know what's the trajectory for my life and um, I'm like if you gonna open the rehab and use my name and I come there now and again and speak that's great now what they thought was that the treatment was so effective and it was but let me tell you that the programs of rehabs tell you all your life you, you're always gonna be addicted. You're always gonna be an alcoholic. Just accept it. So every day you must look yourself in the mirror and say, I am an alcoholic. And this is what I'm telling you, if you go to rehab or you come out of rehab and and the Bible says, Let the weak say I am strong. And I'm like immediately this is not part of the That The the life message that I've been taught. And I'm still dealing with the depression coming out of that kind of thing. And I'm like, I'm a new creation. Today's going to be a good day. The the joy of the Lord is my strength. And more and more I feel this, this lift. And they are so impressed that I'm doing TV programs that the drug program works so well. And I'm not condemning that. But I'm telling you, the difference was that Christ is Lord of my life. So please, if you're going through that, if you've been through a divorce, if you've been separated, if you're dealing with drug addiction, you might not think it's a problem. You've got to speak about it. You've got to go to someone and say, listen, I have this issue. I Listen to me, I've done talks where on TV, I promise you, and the owner of the TV station and the producer come to me afterwards and say, you know, I also take uh, still knocks. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. I'm talking, look, it's not a problem. You know, you should try this, do that, and then the executive producer comes, and when you've got a minute, you know I take uh, still pain, eh? But I'm, I'm not addicted. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, um, when have you not taken still pain? In two years. No, I take it every day. I'm like, you've never stopped, so you don't know you're addicted. But if you want to be sure that you're addicted, don't take it for two, or three days. And then the reality hits, and then there's a panic. So I want to say to you, if you've been on any kind of strong meds, I'm not talking about you, some people are prescribed sleeping tablets to take for the rest of their lives. That's a different thing, and they take one, it's cool. I'm talking about you know if you are taking something addictive to cope. You need to get help, and God will, not not might, He will set you free. But you've got to walk the road. Now let me tell you this coming out of the story. The same gentleman, sorry, can I have some water? All right. Sing a song in the meantime. <laughs> look, what? I'm joking. <laughs> so, excuse me. One of my friends owns a music store. I was so shocked that a normal friend, guy that I knew, I was like, wow, look, he went into his music store, he made me play. I was playing guitar, they were doing Ernie Smith in the house. I'm, I'm playing, and I'm like, wow, God. And I'm at the lowest of lowest, lost everything. My furniture's not even with me. My studio's packed away for three months. Yeah, I am. Everybody around me is blessed. Seems like only me. You know, so this guy, I call him now, my friend, and say, you know what? Because he said to me, and that's why I'm telling you, be careful. You know when you tell people, if there's anything you need, give me a call. You should rather just say, if anything you need, besides money. You can call me, <laughs> because people change when you talk about money. Like, don't touch my money. You can, I'll give you a lift. I can party you something, but don't
2: touch my money.
1: So I call him and I was like, "Hey, man, you know what? This he knows the story. I said I need like twenty thousand rand. If you can, he said no problem. He does it. So this friend of mine that owns the shop calls me and says, "Hey, Ernie, almost in a exhausted, like, ah, do you want to buy my music store?" I'm like, do you know the state that I'm in? You saw me. That's why you came and picked me up. You want to ask me a stupid question? can do? I want to buy a shop? <laughs> you know, I wanted to smack him. <laughs> but for some reason or the other, I called my other friend. And I said, hey, man, you know, I got this feeling. And my friend asked me, I think I want to buy a music store. Listen, this, I was me just going out on a limb. It's just like, do you have 10,000 rand for me? You know, it's like ridiculous. And I'm talking for three minutes. And the guy says, stop. From the last time you spoke to me, I haven't been able to rest, to sleep. It's been on my mind one way. I know God was saying to me, give this man a hundred thousand rand. And he said, I didn't want to ask you because I didn't want to offend you. I said, offend me. (laughs) I said, FNB 62055. Like, put the money in. Don't be stupid. So he gives me the money and and now I'm speaking to him about the shop now. I call him again. I'm like, I want to buy this shop. This is the story. He said, how much is it? I said, I think it's $450,000. Three minutes, he stops. He says, stop. Must I use the same bank account? And I tell him, no, wait, wait, wait. Because I, was, I wasn't ready. I was just saying something. I wasn't like, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. I've done my due diligence. Let's go. I said, wait, wait. Let me check everything out. So we do the... I've, I, I'm. I've learned a lot about business. We get our guy that checks SARS, that we check his bank records, that he doesn't owe anyone money, there's no liabilities, and it all looks clean. One of my business friends say, buy it, it's a great buy. The only reason this guy's selling is because his kid's got a, a university sponsorship or what do you call it, bursary, to study in the US, and he says, my wife and I are still young, so we're gonna go with the kid. I'm like, okay, great. And it seemed to me like he had tried everyone, because when he called me, it was like, ah, ah, you wanna buy a shop? It seems like he was like, just everyone was, no, no, not interested. So we buy the shop. And at this time before that, my name was, I couldn't buy a pen on account. And I'm telling the bank all the time, I want to buy a car, small runaround, because I sold a car. like, no, we can't give you the money. I'm like, I've got, and I'm telling you, this is not personal. I'm like, I've got over 40-some-odd grand a month going through my account. You can't give me that. No, we can't give you. Your name, you're a musician. Musicians struggle with these things, I want to tell you that. I mean, we, we get taxed. This is me just doing the other side because part of what I do, I was the chairman of Sampra, I was the uh, board member of Samro, I go to universities, we do lectures about intellectual property, about the music industry, and we'll get to that. So so I'm like, you know, here's the story, I'm, I'm, I'm buying the shop, the guy puts in the money in my account, and I go back to the bank after a year where we've now bought the shop, we've now established a big music school. Sampra, an organization, ask me, you're the only guy we know because you've been with us for a while. We're giving Sony the same opportunity to have interns. We're giving um, BMG. These are global companies. And the only other person we'll trust is we want to send you interns. Can you train them in the record company model? PR, marketing, a and um, and all the other things, advertising. So they send us five interns and they pay us per month. So I'm like, okay, all my overheads are sorted. So I'm like, no, we gotta, we gotta build a proper studio. So we build a studio for 1.8 million rand. And we build a second studio, probably for about 500,000. And suddenly we're signing contracts, signing artists, doing our own events. I bought for the first time in my life, I was telling my children in a joking way, I said, it's the first time in my life that I've got 2023 phone in 2023. Because normally when everyone got an iPhone X, I get an iPhone 7S. I'm one up. When I get the 8, my ex-wife used to get the S, and then the kids get the 6. And now I've got that, and I go and buy a car, and they tell me we can, um, through a friend, they were saying, you know, we can give you a car for 1.2 million if you want. I'm like, no, no, I'll take a van, I'll buy a a nice Bucky. The house is like, yeah, probably we'll finance you up to 3 million rand to get a house. I'm not telling you this to impress you, I'm saying. This was the man that was taking 14 sleeping tablets and a bottle of vodka a day, going into rehab, lost everything, my house, furniture, everything. And in a space of two years, God can and will lift you up. It's no wonder Jesus said, only believe. There is something in there that we need to understand. That God has, understand this. he says Christ was slain before the foundations of the world. And the Bible says because God has already preordained us that we will be in him. And because he has preordained us, whomever he, he preordains, he glorifies and he justifies. So what I'm saying is there's a life that's waiting for you. A new level of life that God has prepared for you. That he says, no, never, no, never will I leave you in the state you're in if you will come to me. And if you will take the eyes off yourself and all of your mistakes, and you will look at what Jesus has done for you. That is the great exchange. Where we give him our burdens, he gives us his freedom. He gives us his right standing. Do you know when you pray, the Bible says that Christ is, how's my time, sir? How's my time? Okay. Am I okay? All right. Uh, I'm landing. I'm coming down, yeah. Um, The Bible says that Christ is the high priest of our confession. You know that? Write all this down and Google later on and tell us, that guy wasn't talking about stuff from the Bible. What that means is that God is there. You pray your prayer. Sometimes your prayer might even be a bit of a, a miss. Jesus takes your prayer. See this physically. And whatever is missing in your prayer, he puts it there. Because remember, the high priest is not going to take a squint sheep. I'm putting those triggers in your head to God. When the high priest is taking the sacrifice to God, he's taking it pure. So he takes what's missing from your prayer. That's why the Bible says he's the high priest of your confession. He puts what you're missing and he presents it blameless before the Father. Now, unto him who is able to keep me from falling. Do you get the scripture now? And to present me blameless. He came as us, He died as us, He rose as us, for us. The Bible says, even the commandments, the Bible says, Christ nailed the Ten Commandments to the cross. Every sin you've done is forgiven. Every sin you're doing today is forgiven, taken away like it never happened. And every sin you're going to commit is forgiven. Some say, no, 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 now you're missing it. You know, the sin I've done in the past, I understand. The sin I've done now, I understand. But my future sins are forgiven. Yes, I had an argument with God. I was like, I'm going to, I'll show God. I was like, how could he have died And taken all my sins away in the future. And my lightning fast mind, God said, well then, were you alive when Jesus died for you? I said, no. He said, did you commit any sins, Pastor Sim, by that time? I said, no. He said, so all your sins were future? I was like, yes. (laughs) So he said, so why now to the point when you receive me, is it your responsibility to keep taking care of your sins? He said, I died for your sins from the time you were born until the time you die. So walk As if someone died and rose for you and paid the price. And that's why all the scriptures say, there's no good thing God will withhold from those that love him, that walk upright, Christ, wherever you see walk upright, Jesus paid for it. What am I saying? Let me go to the, let me do what I am going to do, let me sleep around, you know why Jesus paid for my sins. No. Then you've never known him and you've never been saved. What he is saying is that, last story, Peter was fishing all night. Now, I wanted you to understand, when you see the Bible, next time when you're reading the Bible, understand it like it's, like it's really happening. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you like to see it like it's happening, not just a story. Peter's fishing all night. This is a man who's a fisherman. He's an excellent fisherman, I think. And they're fishing, and he catches no fish, like nothing, luto. And Jesus comes and says, hey, can I use your boat? Let's go out. So we think Peter was, yes, Lord, anything for you. Let's go. Peter was like, oh, look at this guy. We are professional fishermen. We're telling you there are no fish here. We were here the whole night. Okay, let's go. Peter done it in that kind of attitude. We have to assume that because they're giving you the logic. So Jesus is like, okay, take your nets, put it on the other side. He's like, guys, I know we've done this. We're tired when I go, but just do it. And they do it. And suddenly there's the fish. The boat is sinking. They have to call other people. What does Peter do? He falls on his knees and says, Yo, Lord, depart from me. I'm a, self- I'm a sinful man. Peter recognized him immediately as Savior. Go for me. I'm a sinful man. Now I want to ask you this question. What came first that made Peter repent? Was well, Jesus said to him, you sinner, Peter. You are a sinner. And he fell, "Oh Lord, forgive me. Depart from me. The goodness of God. God just showered him with so much goodness that he goes, what's going on? I don't deserve it. What's going on? Lord, forgive me. It's the goodness of God, the scripture says, that leads us to repentance. So if you're expecting punishment from God, that's why the call returned. That's why you lost your hand, so you can get saved. The other things the world lives by different standards. I'm talking about us who come to Christ, that God has marked us for his love. It's the goodness. Expect God to be kind to you. I, God gave me a shop when I lost everything. He gave me... Money, when I didn't deserve it. My children are living with me happy. I'm in a fantastic relationship, by the way. I'm happily divorced. I'm not encouraging anyone to get divorced, please. Don't misquote me. And the next time soon, if this is the girl that I feel I'm going to marry, I'm going to marry Because marriage is the best thing that ever happened to me. Let's get that clear. But I'm saying that it was the goodness of God when I deserve I was hopeless, helpless, down and out. And he came and he lifted me up and kissed me with Grace. And that's the same love and the same grace he wants to give to you today. That you feel you don't deserve, that's the one. That's the one. Why? Because someone paid for it with his blood, with his very life. So we honor God when we receive his love and his grace unprovoked. The best thing you can do to someone who's giving, I'm like, yeah. He has the five hundred thousand, and you're like, no, no, I, what, what must I do for it? He has the five hundred thousand, you're like, ah, what must I do for it? The best gift you can give to the giver is to receive his gift. When you feel most undeserved and most unrighteous, that's the day you say, "I'm the righteousness of God in Christ." Straight after you mess up, you understand why? Because if I tell everybody in this room, nobody think about a pink elephant. Don't you dare think about that pink elephant. I'm telling you, stop thinking about that pink elephant. What are all thinking about? A pink elephant. So we keep telling people, don't do wrong. Don't do that sin. Don't do it. Don't. Don't. You, that's what you do. So what God does, instead of saying, whatever you do, don't pick up this cord, God shows you, there's a child on the side of the road. They're going to help them. And he distracts you with his love, with his kindness. He gives you blessings that you don't deserve, that you, you forgot that you're you no more even doing that thing. You're like, hey, it's been a while since I got really angry. You I'm not offering you a fairy tale. I'm offering you hardcore, solid foundation, paid for with life and with blood, the grace of God in Christ. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.
0: I, I know we're slightly over time, but um, Ernie, bless you. We, we want to pray for you. But before we pray for you, I know that some are sitting here, and you can relate to this, eh? And I just want us to do a simple prayer today. Because there's a couple, in fact. Maybe what you said, shared, Ernie, maybe, maybe there's some people here, and maybe you are going to subs- substances. I believe the Lord wants to break it now. And... Um, and if you need help, please come and speak to us. We've got some counselors. We've, we can refer some really good professional help as well. But God can break that thing right now. So we'll, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. The Lord knows who you are. But just pray with me. And Father, I thank you right now, Lord, that, Father, the power of the cross is right here. Lord, that every addiction is broken in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray, Lord, where there is clouds of darkness, and I, I can literally see clouds of darkness, confusion. Father, that these things will flee in Jesus' name. Because, Father, we are the righteousness of Christ. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, whatever this may be, whatever substance, Father, that, Lord, right now we'll be able to take a thing and just move it away. I want to just um, declare over you this morning that the presence of God is in you and is in your home. And that whenever you you feel like, Lord, I need help, that you go straight to his presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. And then I also just want to say, you know, um, I shared this with Ernie. There's nothing to be ashamed about. I know that um, we have members in our church that have remarried, that are divorced. Um, Some are still single. But let me say, God has broken all those things and he's taken away all the shame. And, I, and I, I just felt in while he was speaking that the Lord wants to lift that shame off you and to say that you can walk in his grace and you, you, can, you can live that life again with him in Jesus' name. So, um, Ernie come stand with me. Stretch your hands out. This man is flying out tomorrow morning. <laughs> but thank you. You've been such a blessing. Did he come up here? You see him? my bouncer? <laughs> <laughs> But will you will you will you pray with me father we thank you lord um what the has thought he had some victory as has just been proven father that he has no hold and we pray father god i i, I just want to earlier I, I saw this even last night and I, I know i shared a little bit with you but i saw you f- traveling again and so i believe there's there's a lot more the lord wants to do with you in different nations and i and i'm going to say this again by faith I've, i saw united states opening up and i and i Here's the thing you know you you said about this um vision of um, a stadium full of a lot of people i think i think there's going to be many of that so not just one father where then he ends no <laughs> lord many father i thank you that let, let this testimony go far and wide father let, the, let this testimony bring in people into your kingdom jesus and we pray, Father, that beyond the music, the teaching gift that you've given him, you begin to sharpen, Lord God. Because, Ernie, get ready. Even with that version app, I pray, Father, that there will be many other things where you can teach the Word of God. And I thank you that you've, you've anointed his lips like you've anointed Jeremiah to speak the Word of God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen.